Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast number 199. I'm Peter Hostrosser. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And we are about to hit 200 pretty soon. So thank you so much for listening. Also, if you get a chance, head over to disrupteducation.co. It's a great place to connect with me see what's going on in disrupting education. I'm a proud member of the Ed Up Experience Podcast Network. If you want to hear what's going on all across K through 12, post-secondary, all kinds of stuff in innovating in education and hearing people talk about what's next, the Ed Up Experience is the place to go, edupexperience.com. On this podcast, I have the CEO and founder of Hello Digital Ed. He is an ed tech founder, an Amazon best-selling author, entrepreneurship, and digital marketing faculty, and he's passionate about building future student innovators and entrepreneurs. His name is Dave Gee, and I can't wait to get into this discussion. We talk about the latest in digital marketing and social media classes, and he's going to talk a little bit about the cryptocurrency classes that Hello Digital Ed takes on, and he's going to talk about how we can connect our students in a outdated system with updated ideas, concepts, and curriculum. You don't want to miss this. I start my conversation with Dave Gee right after this. Are you an individual or business wanting to create an online course or training program, but are overwhelmed with the e-learning process and don't even know where to start? If so, you don't want to miss this free masterclass called Create and Launch a Successful E-Learning Program Online Course or Virtual Training, where you will learn the biggest mistake most people make with e-learning, the number one reason most e-learning programs fail, and the three pillars to create extraordinary value for your learners every time and much more. Get instant access to the free masterclass right now by clicking on the link in the description. All you have to do is sign in and you will get instant access to this free masterclass right now. I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses SpikeView to share his learning journey. Um, I think it's really cool that you know SpikeView is really putting that abstract into con- concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think SpikeView is different than anything else out there. Um, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs and, um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take, take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there. Um, and share with other people and that's you know that's really powerful and that you know that professional networking piece um, you know to be with other like-minded teenagers that puts you ahead that puts you ahead in a lot of ways and so um, you know I think anyone who uses Spike View right now has a leg up in the future and excited to see you know where those Spike View alumni head up. Head to spikeview.com start your portfolio now for free. The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher.
Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostrosser. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I have a wonderful guest today. He's the CEO and co-founder of Hello Digital Ed, author. There's so many much. There's so much more there. Uh, David Gee is with us. David, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, you're welcome, Peter. Thanks for having me. So that was a very short intro. Um, if you go to your LinkedIn, there's a ton of stuff there. You're an author. You've done a lot of different things. You founder uh, EdTech. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and call you a guru. We'll we'll go there. Um, give us a little bit more uh, information about who you are and what you do. So I think the best thing is probably start young. Um, so I actually grew up in England. I moved to the states when I was seven to rural Wisconsin. Um, did my undergrad University of Wisconsin Whitewater um, in marketing. I worked for Motorola in Chicago. Sold two-way radios. Um, then moved back to Wisconsin. I worked on my, I did my MBA at Marquette and I moved through various, um, business development or sales, obviously sales roles, sales management, um, with, uh, us or excuse me, with cellular one, which got acquired by USL. Um, then when I finished my MBA, the opportunity came to teach at uh, the university of Wisconsin, Madison taught an undergrad class in marketing. Um, then became a marketing manager, did B2B, a TDS. Um, and then I had the opportunity to develop a digital marketing course. And um, that became the genesis for Hello Digital Ed, which I'm working on now. Um, and I, I've had four startups. Um, so one was an ad agency, one was a loyalty software company. Um, my current one, as you mentioned, is called Hello Digital Ed. So we provide contemporary, engaging, flexible business curriculum for high schools. So we basically help high school teachers teach very complex topics like digital marketing, social media, cryptocurrency, et cetera. And um, as you mentioned, I've written three books. So um, my first one was called The Corporate Refugee Startup Guide. So that's all about helping um, first-time entrepreneurs that are in corporate kind of identify their blind spots and figuring out ways to um, fill those in to kind of build appropriate team members. Um, the second one um, was called The College Student Startup Guide. And I'm not going to insult your audience and, and tell them what that was about. Um, and then the last one was called Restart the Small Business Guide to Thriving During Chaos. So a lot of, you know, I'm constantly asking like a lot of your listeners, so who am I and where am I going? So I think, you know, one of the things that's coalesced um, as I look back over my career is that I really like to start, you know, stand kind of shoulder to shoulder with the Davids competing with the Goliaths. Like I used to work with the Goliaths and now appropriately David and David. Um, welcome to the Boomtown. Sorry, that's way, way old reference. None of your listeners are going to get that. But um, anyway, so um, and then I like to do it with tech. I'm very passionate about um, helping build future innovators. And that sounds cliche, but I manage the entrepreneurship program at UW-Whitewater. So I manage a startup accelerator. Um, and then obviously, Hello Digital Ed, that's, that's what this is all about, you know, helping build innovation and build future innovators. So I like that. I, I go right to Malcolm Gladwell's book around, you know, David and Goliath, where he breaks it all down. And uh, so that'll be the updated version of yeah, <laughs> David and Goliath. Um, 
So before we jump into Hello Digital Ad, because there's I have a lot about it. I have some actually a nice little poll that I that I pulled some of my high school students about it. Um, I wanted to ask then. So growing up in England and then coming to Wisconsin and then in the Midwest, uh, there's an educational path there. And uh, I was wondering uh, what kind of what kind of student were you both inside the classroom and and then outside the classroom? Uh, how how did you, David, learn. How to, what, what were some of the uh, interesting times in your entire pathway to where you are now? Yeah, you, let me let me hit the English thing. So one of the, and this isn't just Europe, but definitely in England, one of the things that um, that happens there as you get into what we call secondary school is you get tracked like really early. You know, like in the U.S., we're like oh my gosh, there's a lot of pressure on students to determine what they want to do, you know, by the second year of college. You're tracked like when you're 15 over there. So I'm not saying there's not too much pressure on students these days, because I, I think there is a lot of pressure. Um, but you're tracked really early and you're tracking to not go on to school, to go to two-year school, you know, or polytechnic, or you're tracking to go on to university. So, um, and in general, I mean, you have to be careful, right? I think this varies by school. I don't think you can make a generalization um, by country, but the bar set really high, really early. Um, you know, whereas you come to the states, and I, I find there's there's a lot more variation between the standards from school to school. I mean, I mean, let's face it, right? I mean, obviously, you know, we're both familiar with the Barrington School District in Illinois. The bar set really, really high. And, you know, there's more financial resources, there's more teachers. If you went to a rural district in wherever, Northwest, you know, Utah, where there's a population of, there's six towns and there's a population of 400 in each, where they don't have the money, they don't have the teachers, there's no way the bar can be set, you know, that high. And so that, you know, that that's one of the big things here in the States. And part of it, it's no, well, I mean, we're not going to talk about the fault situation, but part of it is the geography, right? And the mass. And this is one of the positive things that I think has come out of COVID. Obviously, you know, all the people that have died, you know, absolutely tragic. If we look at it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, the acceptance or the tolerance of teaching virtually, you know, it's, it's higher than it's ever been before. And when we looked at Hello Digital Ed, we said, how can we help? Well, we've got literally a rural school district um, that has 67 students in their graduating class, and they're learning cryptocurrency and how to build websites and e-com, just like the students are Barrington or charter school in LA. So part of our mission is to level the playing field. And I think once you consider online and you take this you know, high caliber knowledge, and you can, um, you know, democratize it, small d, obviously, right, across, um, you know, different schools and, and students as well. You saw that across, obviously, the, the English countryside, and then here in the right. States, and that switch, you know, understanding like your own path, I, what what was it like in you? How long were you in England um, until did you enter school there and then come here? Or yeah, so I was super young, so I was only seven. But I've been back many many times because all my relatives live there, with the exception of my folks and my sister. 
Um, and I saw my cousins and nieces and nephews go through the system there. And so it's interesting, like when we have vacations, you can kind of juxtapose, right? The in, is English education versus the States. And again, I'm not saying one's better or worse. I think, you know, I think the argument could be made that there's too much pressure on young adults, especially in secondary school there, you know, versus here. Do I think, you know, you could make the argument that if, if you looked across all schools, um, that the bar in general is set a little bit higher? Yeah, I, I do, because there's more financial resources, and I'm not trying to get political, but there are more financial resources. They are directed at a federal level, right? Not a state level or a local level. And so there is this, again, democratization, I cannot emphasize enough, small d, not big d, <laughs> um, across, you know, education. And most people would say that that's a good thing. And so you get a little bit more of a level playing field. So then let's jump into Hello Digital Ed. Now, how I wanted to, like, let's go deeper into that. I wanted to, to reveal... I had an interesting question because we had conversations around uh, the the different angles. As a business educator, I'm loving this. Um, and one of the things that came up in one of our PLCs was cryptocurrency. And the interesting thing was um, just last week, uh, which will be about maybe a couple weeks before this is published, sure. um, I asked all my classes, all right, mm -hmm. who would love a cryptocurrency course? And about if I'm gonna I'm gonna round it off, yeah. at least seventy percent of every yeah. classroom said they wanted that. And then we had the conversation with our business educators, um, and of course we're all like, I Bitcoin, I you know we don't know. How, bar, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, yeah to the moon or whatever. I don't know what's going on. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it works. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, I I think a lot of us business teachers um, had a little bit more um, look at Bitcoin because I remember students talking about it, you know, years ago in their lives, you know, which is only a couple of years. But I don't know anything. The business teachers don't know anything about it. This is what you do. Right. right. I mean, um, kind of expand on that um, and, and how you're implementing across, you know, and there's there's an equitable piece here, like you're saying. What are what are some of the cool things that you're seeing out of it? Well, what are your three main programs right now? And I know you're adding on to those. And then what are the what are some of the awesome stories that you're seeing coming out of it? Yeah, I mean, if I if I kind of you know the genesis of all this is when if you're looking at you know this it's a little bit different higher ed, you know, and, and for those of your audience that aren't familiar, we're talking about two-year schools and, and four-year schools in the U.S. But, you know, if you're looking at secondary ed, I've, we've talked to teachers that are updating their curriculum every two years. We talked to one the last week that's using a 17-year-old textbook. And there's a lot of variety. And some could be the individual teacher, some could be funding, whatever. I mean, there's there's a variety of reasons. And so, I'm not pointing fingers, you know, literally to anybody. But one of the things that happened when I taught at UW-Madison, I was pressing, pressing, pressing and said, look, we've got to teach digital marketing. And, you know, someone told me, look, you don't know what you're getting into. And I, I had an ad agency at the time. I'm like, look, I'm living this. 
And they're like, you don't understand the number of visions. I said, I do. And the other thing I understand is you can't be a specialist in digital marketing, right? You can pick a strand, but you can't do it all yourself. And so, you know, when I started teaching the class, I was a generalist. And then we would bring in an expert from Salesforce to talk about marketing automation. Um, we had the, um, the head of e-commerce from VF, which if you're not familiar with VF, they own North Face, Doc Martin, Wrangler. And then um, we brought in Twitter. So they were literally webinaring in. So we created the ultimate experience. And these were mid-level managers at Fortune 500 companies. And, you know, there, there was a joke. One of the things they would use to say, and it never happened to me, is if they weren't happy with the class that night, they'd tap me on the shoulder and say, just so you know, I didn't get my $350 worth tonight. And so you had to be on game, right? I mean, <laughs> there was no, eh, you know, five minutes before class. That just didn't fly. And so, you know, I was used to maybe prepping every couple of years of my sales management class. And I had 21 versions over two years. And last year, you know, one of the things I decided to do is help small businesses at the end of last year. I created this digital marketing class. I recreated it for small business owners. And Barrington said, look, we need this for um, our, our students, our entrepreneurship students. And now, you know, we're a national company because this has just taken off over and over again. But what started out as me in January and sort of one other person, we have eight subject matter experts in that. Uh, cryptocurrency, we just launched. Uh, my business partner, Tim's doing that, but we've already got someone from the SEC that's probably gonna join. Then we're gonna have specialists in Ethereum, Bitcoin. So it's all about creating this collection of experts. And then we bring it to the teacher and say, look, here, here you go. We're not just giving you the knowledge today. We're giving you dynamic knowledge. And by the way, we'll do all the work updating it. And so we do major summer updates. So we added videos on Clubhouse this summer. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, how to create videos on a smartphone, right? We added, and then during the year, if, you know, for example, in the spring, Facebook created a new process to create an ad, we cut a video. Boom, updated that day, dropped it in. 280 kids, students happen to be taking that particular module at that time. Everybody's curriculum's updated. No PowerPoint slides, no textbooks, nothing. So if you're a teacher, you're like, this is the ultimate. I've got a dynamic class. And the teachers and the parents and the students are like, this is the latest you know, knowledge. So, and it, it kind of, frankly, it makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. He's I'm like, I know these students, and their job is not just learning for the sake of learning it. They're building real websites, real e-com stores. They're going out and analyzing Ethereum. They're building real company YouTube channels. Some of them are doing work for real businesses in the context of their class. Um, so it feels really good um, because we're really helping, you know, kind of everyone in education. Um, we're not castigating anyone. You know, we're we're here to you know, help everybody raise up. You're keeping, um, I guess, the cutting edge, if we're still using that term, in front. Um, because I think in education, uh, again, I have the privilege of being a business educator. I chose to be that type of educator. And one of our main things is, and it happens almost every year, is we have our first semester 
we're teaching tax law and then the second semester comes and then the next year and you have to redo it. Um, and we have to take time and, and do that. Um, and that's obviously, that's just one thing. So if you can imagine, you know, what's happening across the board, yeah, there's no way to, to keep up. And then the boredom sets in with students, um, getting out of their way, uh, running with that. How, how would a, a student, you know, start to kind of connect? I mean, do, are, is it in, in the courses to connect and, and to network and work with people? Or are they just, is it part of the teaching or is it just, it depends on the school community? Yeah, so it's a good question. So it's a startup, right? So it's morphing all the time. What what we started out with, um, again, this was at Barrington, the risk of drawing on them too much. The, those students were actually building startups. And so they were doing the digital marketing, everything from building the brand, the logo, building out the YouTube channel, the LinkedIn. They're building that in the context of the class. We've got, um, um, that. plus we created like fictional companies. It could be Emily's, you know, whatever, um, donut shop. And then we've got, you know, Bob's, you know, law firm out in LA and those are silly examples. But so then they're building out the digital market for each of those profiles. We do have a school out in Los Angeles and they've asked, they're very innovative. They've asked us to build out a digital marketing curriculum. So, or excuse me, a digital marketing consulting curriculum. So students will go through semester one and semester two, we're building a whole framework for them to work with outside businesses, set expectations for students. We'll um, help them figure out what businesses to choose, um, rubrics for the students. We'll show them how to use Slack. There'll be a demo day at the end where students students will actually share this out um, through the school social, our social, could be scholarships, things like that. So it's, you know, it's morphing all over the place. I mean, one of the challenges like with any entrepreneurs is you'll have a prospective customer say, oh, do this. And we're like, okay. And then it's like, do this. Oh, okay. And suddenly you lose focus and you're like, well, don't do that, which, you know, you, that's all well and good. But suddenly if they say, oh, do this, and here's $50,000 and you're bootstrapping, you don't have any money left, you're like, okay, yes. And before you know it, you're off track and you might get vaporized. So again, there's a Dave G classic long answer to a short question. But. You know, there are so many levels and I think what you're revealing here is that there are so many different needs right. of across mm -hmm. and going back to, you know, the rural versus urban versus suburban versus all these different areas and in, in uh, the geography of the, the states. Um, yeah, we are seeing um, obviously that come to you because those are the problems or the pain points that they're they're picking on. It takes a special kind of educator actually to kind of get out of the way of the students. Um, what are some of the, the things that you know, you're, you're helping educators with or beginning to help educators with, obviously the innovative schools are going to jump on. They're going to be your early adapters. Um, but what, what do you foresee as something, or maybe you're already seeing this as, as you're scaling, um, that, you know, maybe the moderate coming in on the, on the school levels, what, what kind of things are, what are the learning points or the learning curves for these educators as well? Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at it from a school level, a school district size level, we kind of break it down into urban, 
rural, those two are obvious, right? And then exurbs, so halfway between rural and suburban. Um, and then you've got your true suburban. And what we're finding, and within that true suburban, there's suburban with a lot of financial resources slash private and charter schools. And, and those schools, at least thus far for our business model, and we're young, as you said, those are the early adopters, right? And part of our mission is to bridge the digital divide. I mean, we are a for-profit and interest of full disclosure, but you know, we want to help as many students as possible. So with the urban schools, we definitely want to help those students um, looking at it purely from a business standpoint. The buying cycles, the, you know, the buying cycle to them, sales cycle, it's going to be a year, couple of years, right? So we want to help those schools. The rural schools, they many times, if you think about it in terms of recruiting a teacher, right? A lot of new student teachers, where do they want to go? They want to go where there's, you know, many opportunities, other innovative teachers, plenty of financial resources. So now, and you know, they, yeah, and they, a lot of times they want to live in an urban or suburban area. So they're also attracted to those suburban schools. So one of the challenges beyond the curriculum is the availability of teachers, right? I think, you know, people like you and I and others that have been in corporate, we've said, look, I feel really passionate about helping build these future innovators. Um, you know, there's a potential market there. And what I mean a market is a market from a school standpoint, because if you go in a rural area, and I mean, we're, we're working with a school now. It's not far from where I live. It's about 20 miles from where I live. And what's going to happen is if this business teacher leaves, their business department will shut down. So there will be no accounting classes. There'll be no biz law. There'll definitely be no digital marketing. They will have no options. And so one of the things we've been looking at is do we provide our learning as a service right here? do we provide teachers as a service and so we get you know whatever let's say mid-career people like you or me or maybe it's a teacher this is a literal example we talk to a teacher that wants to move to ireland and we say okay um schools what if we could provide you um someone that you know is a specialist in digital marketing they'll come on one hour a day per week and then you might get students from you know, whatever, XYZ in Iowa, ABC town in Wisconsin, you know, DEF, I'm going to run out of letters in the alphabet, in Trenton, New Jersey. And then we do a flipped classroom, right? So the students are working on all these projects, building websites, e-com. They come online and then they share what they've accomplished, their ideas. The teacher gives them feedback and then they go back to the rest of their classes. So we're calling that teacher as a service, right? where we're basically providing in addition to the curriculum we'll actually provide you know a teacher or maybe some sort of ta um now i'm not a fan of business models that are labor heavy um so that's that's our challenge with it and can we scale it and again not for the sake of scaling it but can we scale it so we can help as many students as possible so that one's going to be complex, um, and we're not sure if we're going to go down that path or not. I see 
all the the greatness behind that i see the blockers there it's there's it is a very complex piece to to put into play however you know and i know it would be super powerful and and amazing right away i'm thinking of the homeschool section just like that let's that's more of a b2c model but um you know i think it's becoming more b2b but um so if you had a couple of things right now in education dave you're like the guy who's about to change one or two laws in education across king david here we go uh you get to uh you get to change these what yeah what uh what what are they what what are one or two things right now that you would say okay let's either get rid of this or add this or what do you say okay this this first one is is not going to make david any fans so i'm not going to tell people where i live um so the first thing i would do is that education for funding would come from the federal government and it works and you just have to look across the atlantic and small d democratization i think that a student in san diego trenton new jersey miami you know saner wisconsin i think they should all get x whatever x is right Twelve thousand bucks, whatever, and, and obviously I'm not saying to the kid, right, to the student. I'm saying that district gets it. Now, do you need to equalize it? Yeah, I mean, or excuse me, do you need to have? Do you need to augment that, right? So obviously, there's economies of scale in a large school district. You're not going to have a small. So um, as unpopular this as this is going to make me, I would make um, the I would make the spending on education come through the federal level. Um, I think. The rest of it is tough, right? I mean, I think it's a cultural piece. Um, and, you know, I would say in general, um, having greater acceptance of different ways of teaching and having worked for many Fortune 500 companies, um, it, it starts at the top, right? Um, and so, I think it's a matter of having innovators of the top of a district, because if you can do that and they're empowered, I mean, truly empowered to um, to uh, inspire people uh, to set, um, you know, stretch goals, but to make sure those people have the resources and yes, the accountability piece, you know, as well, if you can create all that and that, you know, some of this sounds, oh my gosh, that would never work in education. Well, it's worked in corporate for a very long time. So I think it can, but, you know, there needs to be support mechanisms. There needs to be, you know, safe classrooms. You know, the um, the students need to have the tech, right? I mean, I think a lot of times there's too much pressure put on schools and there's outside variables that the schools don't control, right? Um, the parents. Um, are they getting food at home? I used to work for an organization, nonprofit called Our Next Generation in Milwaukee. And the opportunities that those kids had, I mean, there was fear about them not making it to school safely and not getting a good meal each day. So, you know, how do you take care of that? Devil's in the details. That's not easy. Um, but I, I would say the two thing is, two things are i would have the funding come out of the federal level and i would figure out some way 
to drive, you know, innovation and have cultural, you know, have innovators leading schools. And I, I lie if I said how I knew that should be done. The one thing that I don't think that should be done, and I see this from a lot of my friends on the West Coast, a place that rhymes with Silicon Valley, is that, you know, they want to go all kind of um, Bugs Bunny or Wiley Coyote and just dynamite the whole thing. I mean, no, there's a lot. Most people are there's very good people. Most people are very, very good. And they're passionate about students and they want to do the best and parents are doing the best for them. So blowing up the whole thing, it, it's myopic, um, it's arrogant, and, and it's short-sighted. And part of our mission is to work with the teachers that are there and the schools that are there so we can help them elevate their students. They're not our enemy, they're, they're part of our team. I call that the yes and, right? It's 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 a yes and, and and I really like that approach. Um, I'll be honest, like I went into this entire thing thinking I'm going to blow it up, I'm going to disrupt it, right? Um, but you know, in my learning journey, yeah, it it you know, a company like like yours with uh, bringing in you know the digital education divide and 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 you know giving everybody access to that, and even like I'm telling you, uh, it's getting to the point, and I. I think it's got to the point where, you know, educators in well-funded areas are even behind um, when we start talking about things like, you know, um, SEOs and understanding, you know, how to market digitally or uh, obviously cryptocurrency. I think everyone, uh, I'm, I know there's personal finance instructors out there cringing right now because they don't know what it is. They don't know what it means. um, And uh, there is a solution here. Um, I want to give a chance to uh, round this out. How how can people connect with you? How can they connect sure. with Hello Digital Ed? Um, sure. And uh, you have some amazing programs. Yeah, so we've got our, our digital marketing curriculum, which is a one semester or a trimester. Right now we have our cryptocurrency, which is a module, um, which um, is a week in a um, trimester, two weeks in a regular semester. We're finding schools are baking that into the end of a personal finance class. We're finding there's a lot of dissatisfaction around personal finance classes. Um, and then any any technology, basically business technology, that's extremely hard to keep up to date, that's what we want to focus on. Um, that's where we think we can help. Um, at this point, we're not interested in looking at intro to business, um, intro to marketing, classes like that, because number one, they don't, ch- over time, I mean, sure, they'll change every two or three years, but the, that foundation knowledge, it, it's not incredibly dynamic. We find that, you know, there's many other resources out there. We really want to be per- this provider of contemporary curriculum. Like you said, the cutting edge is changing all the time. Um, People do want to learn more about us. You can go to hellodigitaled.com. So hellodigitaled.com. Um, or people can reach out to me, except for hate emails. Um, they can reach out to me directly at uh, david at hellodigitaled.com. Those uh, those people chatting about uh, where tax dollars should go, I, I'm, I'm assuming. So oh, Those are coming. <laughs> and I did say small D. Yes. Not big D. 100%. Okay. I'm right. <laughs> uh, when we put that in the bio, I'll make sure it's a small D. Oh, 
Please so, but uh, David, thank you so much for uh, sharing your your learning journey. You you are bringing um, really innovative stuff uh, that are surpassing us educators, and I, I would consider myself an innovative educator who's trying to stay on the cutting edge. But we all can't do it, and um, companies like uh, Hello Digital Ed are, are places where you know you can add um, a lot of value. Um, you can engage students. I guarantee you when I asked them about crypto, you should have seen it, it was like I was throwing out dollar bills. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it's amazing. But thanks again for uh, being here with us on uh, Disrupt Education. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Peter. And to you listeners, thank you so much. If you want to connect, uh, all the information is down below. And uh, we'll, hear, uh, we'll see you next time on Disrupt Education. Uh-huh.